It's a new year and a new chance for you to make a fresh start with your compliance. For the next 31 days on the FCPA Compliance Report, we're going to be bringing you a daily tip, strategy, or idea that you can use to improve your program. Here's your host, Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist. About doing business in China and investing in Chinese companies which come to the United States to raise capital. Yet this has been a long-known and outstanding problem in the anti-corruption enforcement world. The 2014 bribery and corruption case involving GlaxoSmithKline, which resulted in a $490 million fine for the firm, resonated across the corporate globe. While many questions are still unanswered, one of them seems to be at the forefront of the inquiry was, where was the GSK Board of Directors? The matter demonstrated that the role of a board of directors is becoming more important and more critical of any part of a best practices compliance program. Boards are ultimately responsible for risk and oversight of any board and any board with operations in China needs to have a clear understanding of its duties and responsibilities under the FCPA and other international laws such as the UK Bribery Act. Why should China be on the radar of boards of directors? It's because from 2010 to 2018, literally 25% of all FCPA enforcement actions derive from China. That's why. FCPA enforcement actions have made clear that numerous Chinese businesses have proven adept at appearing compliant while hiding unacceptable business practices. A board should be well aware that a well-crafted compliance program must be complemented with a thorough understanding of frontline business practices and constant auditing of actual practices and not just a paper program. This means that both monitoring and auditing should be visible to the board of directors. Echoing one of the board's roles as articulated in the FCPA Resource Guide second edition, a board must ensure that human resources committed to the compliance, management, and reporting relationships are commensurate with a level of risk. If that is perceived to be high in a country such as China, the board should follow the FCPA Resource Guide Second Edition's prescription. The amount of resources devoted to compliance will depend on the company's size, complexity, industry, geographic reach, risk, and risks associated with the business. In assessing whether a company has reasonable internal controls, The DOJ and SEC typically consider whether the company devoted adequate staffing and resources to the compliance program, given the size, structure, and risk profiles of the company. To help achieve these goals, I would suggest a list of questions that every director should ask about doing business in China. Number one, how is tone at the top established and communicated? Number two, what procedures are in place to identify and mitigate fraud, theft, and corruption? Three, what local training is conducting on business practices? Is it in local language and is it effective? Four, are incentives provided to promote correct behaviors? Five, how is the detection of improper behavior monitored and audited? Six, how is the effectiveness of the compliance program reviewed and initiated? Third parties generally represent the most risk under a compliance program and that as much of 95% of reported FCPA enforcement actions involve the use of third-party intermediaries such as agents. However, in China, all potential opportunities retain some level of compliance-related issues. 
Joint ventures and the acquisition of Chinese entities are important business strategies for many companies, and it's important to have board oversight in the M&A process. Non-compliant business practices and how to bring these into compliance is a major risk and defining deal risk. But more importantly, it is a company's inability to understand the actual business practices, the impact of those practices on core business, and effectively dealing with a transition plan is one of the main reasons why JVs and acquisitions in China fail. So even if the conduct of an acquisition target was legal or tolerated in its home country, once that target is acquired and subject to the FCPA, such conduct must stop. However, if such contact conduct ends, it may also devalue the core assets of the acquired entity so as to ruin the business basis for the transaction. Once again, the FCPA resource guide is your best resource on this issue. But those guidelines also make clear that post-acquisition integration is still a must. Many boards are not engaged enough to understand the way their company is conducting business, particularly in a business environment as challenging as China. They believe that a board should have a detailed understanding of business if it's to be an effective safeguard against fraud or corrupt practices. So what are today's three key takeaways? Number one, China presents the highest risk And after the GSK case, and why the GSK case is so significant, is that it was the first Chinese domestic corruption action against a Western company. This was not an FCPA case. It was not a UK Bribery Act case where GSK is domiciled. It was brought by Chinese officials. Two, Chinese companies have been adept at hiding corrupt business practices from their Western owners for years. The litany of FCPA cases out of China is well known and companies have come to grief because of the acquired targets business practices. And number three, a board must be cognizant of these risks and enhance their risk management process in China and in other high-risk jurisdictions. Thank you for listening to this episode of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program where we're going to take a look at the role of the board of directors in a best practices compliance program. This production of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. I hope you will join me again tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.